Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. My name is Matthew. I'm your host this week, joined by my older brother, Michael. I'm one of the loyal ones. I'm here. One of the loyal ones. And we are missing our, our usual, usually loyal host this evening, our younger brother, Mark. He's not here out of scheduling issues, I guess. Something about the holidays. I mean, we're coming to you on a Wednesday. Too. Yeah, we're, we're, we're already having, a little delayed. Sorry about that, everybody. We're struggling recently. This holiday season, everybody, there's a lot of stuff going on. Just got back from a preschool Christmas program, which was which was wonderful. It was pretty stellar and enlightening. Um, and now we're ready to talk about the Browns. Browns coming off this week are now six and seven, dangerously close to five hundred. Mm. Beat the Cincinnati Bengals twenty-seven to nineteen in a strange game. On a number of levels. I, I think the Browns were in control of this game for, for the most part. They're, what was the your score feel- was close. Okay, when we were sitting on the couch watching this game, like, what was your general feeling about the game? Because a lot of times we watch the Browns, it's like super tense. Like, even when we're winning, it feels like we're going to give it up. This game, like, a lot of things weren't going the Browns' way. But I'm curious... I, I've got my own answer to this question, but I'm curious about your own attitude and feelings. Like, what, were you tense, like, feeling like this one was going to slip away? How did you feel? So, I, I probably felt un, unrealistically confident in it. And because, but I think it's unrealistic because we had that pick six that gave us the lead. Right. We got up to, what was it, like 14 nothing. At one point? No, they had uh, three points. They scored three right off the bat. So um, it definitely wasn't 14 nothing, but it would have been... 14, 14, 14 six. six. Yeah. We never really had that much of a lead at any given point in this game. It was always within reach for the Bengals. Yeah, we were, we were ahead most of the time, if not the entire time, um, with the exception of that first drive. But I, I, it just felt like the Bengals couldn't do much, and we were going to figure it out. And that didn't really happen until we came out in the third quarter and we put together a really good third quarter, which is something we haven't been able to say about the Browns most of the times this season. I mean, it was a good third quarter. We ran the ball a ton. We basically just kept it on the ground and just pounded it and pounded it and pounded it, which in a way kept the game closer because it extended the game. Like the drives just turned out longer and we were able to execute and we scored and, you know, it's good. But, um, I do feel like that kept the game a little bit closer. We weren't blowing the top off of and the Bengals by any means. We struggled in the passing game. And my answer to the question I asked was, I maybe I'm just like at the point of the season where I don't care. Because like I, it, even if we lost, it would be like, oh, yep, that's well, another well, one of those really disappointing losses the Browns shouldn't have had. Like the stakes weren't exactly all that high for this game, I think is why I probably wasn't super tense. But um I felt like we had it, and there was no reason the Browns shouldn't win this game. And so I was kind of just viewing it through that lens, even though the Bengals were, like, knocking on the door the entire time. I mean, had every opportunity to be in the lead multiple times throughout this game um, and just never quite got it done for a variety of reasons. But um, Yeah, they got down into the red zone uh, a number of times. Those first two field goals yep. were relatively short field goals that were just kind of because they stalled out in the red zone. This game could have had a very different narrative. <laughs> and yet, it felt like a comfortable Browns win. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to, to, to talk about. 
I, I think there was a lot of confusion in the refs, especially in the first <laughs> quarter, just struggling on, oh. on so many levels. They couldn't seem to get out of their own way, just making blunders left and right. Probably the most significant of which that affected the Browns, at least, was the David Njoku catch, fumble, interception. Yeah, so let's, what, so let's whatever, talk about that. And whatever happened there. So initially, if refresh my memory, initially on the field, it was ruled a fumble recovered by the defense. That is what they Correct? came over the speakerphone and said, yes. After the play. They came over yeah. the PA and said it was a fumble recovered by the defense. Correct. That is objectively wrong. Like watching <laughs> it impossible. Li- watching it live was objectively wrong. There are two possible outcomes. One is if Najoku completed the the catch. Yep. He's down as soon as the catch is completed. Because he by rule to complete the catch, you have to take it all the way to the ground. As soon as he hits the ground with the guy on top of him, the catch is completed. He's down. The other option is that Najoku never completed the catch. Yep. Nick Vigil, I think, was the linebacker on this play. Sounds right. Was the one who came away with the ball. By rule, completed the catch. Therefore, it was an interception. Right. Just an unbelievably confusing situation to call it a fumble recovered by the defense. And then go into the replay booth and come out and, and say the ruling on the field stands. They, yeah, they said it's, the ruling on the field stood after they had made the claim that it was a fumble recovered by the defense. And then which you is not and possible. At, and then you look at the stats, and they credit it to Baker Mayfield as an interception. And so it's clearly that it wasn't upheld. The communication was not accurate from the refs in any way. And so it was just a... Or do we just have a rogue statistician? Yes. <laughs> Who's like, yeah, that wasn't a fumble, that was an interception. Um, but it's it's so funny how the system is set up that the the review is is hamstrung almost by the mistake made by the officials on the on the field, right? They 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 called it the ruling on the field stands or is confirmed, whatever. Right. And they didn't they didn't really feel like they had the the authority. To, to come and say, actually, that was an interception and a return. Also, he totally should have been down. Why, why did they get the yards on the re- return on that? Right, that made zero sense. Like, he was in contact with Njoku. If on he the ground. It there, right, absolutely. And then they allowed him all those yards, 15, 20 yards, whatever it was, on the return. Whether it's it. an interception or a fumble, regardless. Yeah, no, it made no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. A complete debacle. On that play. There were two other instances with the refs doing something stupid, and I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, it's been a few days since we watched the game, and I rewatched it that I don't recall anymore either. But you're right. We were laughing at the, at the, at the whole set of umpires, like the entire first quarter. At one point, they threw a flag for 12 men on the field and then came on the intercom and said, there is no flag for 12 men on the field. There were only 11. <laughs> which was great which we thought we actually thought that was brilliant and should be what they say every time they like pick up, pick a, up flag, a flag because it's just like an objective thing 
It's like, sorry, miscounted. Instead yeah. of being like, no, I thought I saw pass interference. And no, there wasn't any pass interference after I talked to my buddy who was on the other side of the field. Uh, nope. It was actually, it was yeah. 11. It yes. was not 12. It was 11. Uh, argue with that. Yes. Yeah. You, you just can't. It's yeah. great. No, it's great. It puts you above reproach at that point. Unless, of course, there actually was 12 and then you're, then then you're, you're up a creek. Yeah. So we had that Najoku interception, which was which was odd. Um, the Browns also benefited. There was uh, a lot of talk this week about one of the few times so far this year that a pass interference call has been changed upon review. Mm-hmm. So this was a situation where um, I believe it was drive ending, wasn't it? Oh, it was an inter- Yeah, was it an interception? Yeah, it was an interception. They picked it. That's right. So Baker Mayfield throws it to his left on kind of a quick slant to Odell Beckham. Um, hits Odell Beckham. It was late in, in the fourth quarter. We're trying to like take time off the clock. We're down at our 20-yard line, and it's a third and long, and so he passes it to Beckham. It's contested. and then- Watching it live, hits, hits Beckham and the defender kind of at the same time in the hands, bounces up in the air, gets intercepted by Jesse Bates, Yes, I think. Um, upon review, because it's a turnover, and in the NFL, all turnovers are reviewed. So this was not a Freddie, Freddie Kitchens challenge, which goes back to something that we've said on the pod, might be the difference in this situation. Upon automatic review, because it was a turnover, yep. they went into the booth, looked at it. Odell Beckham was clearly interfered with. Um, I think it was his left arm got held down or knocked, knocked into shortly before the ball got there, um, made the pass uncatchable, it bounced around. One of the few times this season, I, I think I saw a statistic that 9 out of 68 of these reviews have been overturned. Well, and how is that being measured? Is that like when uh, someone's trying to challenge pass interference? Because in this case, it's just going and looking at the interception. And so it was, to your point, was all generated by the refs because that's what they do. I think it's wild that they, like, on an interception is now the standard you go back and you check for any possible penalty. Like, is it any possible thing? Because we also had the situation in this game where Zach Taylor challenged, what, what, what play was it? But he basically challenged that there was not a penalty on the play. Oh, it was, so it was the screen pass. To, to Jarvis that went that went yeah, yeah, for yeah, like yeah. 34 yards or something. Yep. And there were there were men downfield. He was looking Jarvis for was behind the line yep. of scrimmage. He's looking for a legal man downfield, but he can't challenge that. He can challenge pass interference. So he threw the flag to challenge that there weren't any flags on the play, which is what the officials Fish announced over the PA system, which maybe that's just their poor communication. I think so. Yeah. But it was just kind of a weird, funny little game from an officiating standpoint. Um, so Brown's got the benefit of that for, for another week. And okay, but the point about the OBJ pass interference, this is the second one that, OB, that BJ has had called in his favor. And what was weird to me about this particular one in the Bengals game is it didn't appear to me that OBJ was even like, clamoring for the pass interference call on this particular play like he seemed frustrated that we weren't able to execute it but i didn't see him like going to the ref saying like where was the flag what was that 
I going into it after the pick, I was like, oh, here we go. The Browns just, you know, gave the Bengals the ball on our doorstep with a chance to tie the game and, you know, extend this thing. Yeah, watching it live, it, it looked It didn't close. even enter my mind. Like I wasn't I wasn't worried about them calling pass interference. Uh, and it didn't look like OBJ was calling for it. And so then when they came back, I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. Like, poor Bengals. Like, that, that really kind of sucks. Um, and then when you look at it in slow-mo, it's pretty clear that it's pass interference. No, but we've seen so many times where they don't call it when it's been challenged by a coach. And so it's been weird to see this tide turn a little bit in the last few weeks. I almost wonder... If they realized how ridiculous it was getting, that they just weren't over- overruling anything, and they're getting towards the postseason, and so they kind of need to g- start going in the direction of being able to overturn them, and so they they had to they need make- to start setting a precedent, like laying the groundwork for a precedent to so, be able to overturn these in the playoffs, so that whenever a saint situation comes up again, like it's not completely out of nowhere that they're overturning it. Yeah, and I mean, I think upon review. Um, even if you're if you're a neutral observer, you you see what happened on that play, and you say yes, that was that was defensive pass interference. Yep. Player played the man, not the ball. Made contact before the ball arrived. Pass interference. It's the right call. The most interesting part of it is just the process here, in that it's a turnover, so everything becomes reviewable. And then how how does that work? And with the officials being showing a willingness to overturn these when it is not a direct challenge from the, that's initiated by the coach. Yep. I, think that's, I think that's good that, they, that they're willing to overturn them. I would like them to be more willing to overturn them when it's initiated by the coach if we're going to have this rule at all. Fair enough. So um, can we talk about a couple of the narratives I've just seen in like Brown's Twitterdom like coming out of this game? I'd love to. So one of which is, and this is probably during the game too, but just more clamoring for the Browns to run the ball. Like, it seems like... Doesn't Nick Chubb have the most rushing attempts on the year? Yes. Of of any running back? Any running back in the NFL. And us as Browns fans, as a contingent, are upset that he is not getting more carries. Now, I get it. We seem our offense seems to be most efficient whenever we are running the ball. But in today's NFL, like you are not gonna score and keep up with the best of the best if you are only running the ball. Like it is just not gonna happen unless you have an a ridiculous defense. And the Browns don't have that caliber of defense at this point in time. And so I just find it amusing that what you stated that he does have more carries than anyone else. He also has a phenomenal yards per carry average. So this is not a situation where we're just like feeding him the ball, feeding him the ball, and he's not producing. He's averaging almost, he's averaging over five yards per carry. I think it's almost six yards per carry. It's 5.1 yards per carry, which okay. is, which is leading, leading the league amongst competitive running backs, like starting running backs. There's a few who have gotten just a handful of touches. Devin Singletary has, has a higher average, for example, um, at 5.6. But Nick Chubb has 253 carries on the year. That's three more carries than Derrick Henry. And he is leading the league with 100 or 1,281 yards on the season. 5.1 average. Amazing. So love me some Nick Chubb. Um, but I just think it's ironic how much the Browns fans are just 
upset that he's not getting the ball enough. Well, it's just disassociated from reality. It's like, yes, we need to feature Nick Chubb in our offense, but featuring Nick Chubb in our offense does not mean giving him 30 carries a game Yeah, for 16 straight games. And we also need to check ourselves because it's so easy when you see something not working to ask for the opposite, right? Like you see the passing game having a hard time and then you're like, well, why the heck weren't we running the ball more? And if you see, the, see us having a hard time running the ball, like you're just going to go the complete opposite direction. Well, where the heck was OBJ? Like what did we go get OBJ for, you know? And we do this all the time. And it's like, it's the NFL, like, these games aren't easy to win. There's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, and it's not going to look exactly the same all the time. How many cats have you skinned, Michael? Um, zero. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if I had a choice, I might... I mean, there's, a lot, there's very few animals I would choose before a cat to skin. I mean, I don't really like cats very much, so if you want to go down that road, I'm happy to skin a cat if, you know, the opportunity presents itself. <laughs> If you need to figure out how many ways there possibly could be. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I think that's a good point. Just just because one thing's not working doesn't mean the other thing is a better option. You know, Baker Mayfield struggled on Sunday. He went eleven for or eleven for twenty-four. Eleven completions. It's rough. That's brutal. Yeah. That's really, really brutal. Two interceptions. We talked about the Njoku one. Um, the other one was his fault. High pass off Jarvis's hands. He was he was off all day, and I'm wondering what was f- factoring into that situation. Like, I don't think that I've heard much talk at all about his thumb that got hurt in the previous game. Yeah, I think but, it was his hand. I think it was like the the bones in his hand. But I mean, he regardless, he practiced on Friday without a wrap on it. Um, he. I'm just he, wondering if it affected his you know his accuracy just the tiniest bit, and like. Just a little dip in accuracy um, can have a pretty negative effect. I, I don't know if that's what it is, but it seems like a possibility. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, because it's a bad Bengals defense. Like, secondary in particular is not great. And the pre- there wasn't a ton of pressure on him. The offensive line looked a lot better. Props to Kendall Lamb. We weren't calling Kendall Lamb's name all day long like we do uh, Chris Hubbard whenever he's at right tackle. Yeah. Uh, no. More than happy to have Kendall Lamb finish out these last three games over no. Hubbard, regardless of Hubbard's health. Yeah, no, the offensive line played well. Wyatt Teller made the PFF team of the week, graded out really highly this week after struggling the week before against the Steelers, which is really nice to see. How much of that do you think is because he played next to Kendall Lamb instead of Chris Hubbard? I mean, it, it could be a bit. It could be a good bit. I, I don't know enough about it, but seeing that offensive line gel like and having Greg Robinson back on the left side instead of Justin McCray, Justin McCray, more power to him. Like He, he cannot play left tackle. No. Like, like There might be positions on the offensive line that he can contribute at, but left tackle is not one of them. And so I, I don't care to ever see him play that again. No. So upgrading left tackle with Greg Robinson coming back, upgrading right tackle with Kendall Lamb being in there, yep. and then getting a better performance out of Wyatt Teller, that offensive line was a solid group. We only gave him one sack this week, one yeah, sack for five I mean, yards. And you got to take it 
a little bit with a grain of salt because it's the Bengals pass rush. Like they don't have they don't have a ton of horses talent up there. But of their defense, that's that's probably their strength. They got Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. Um, was it Lawson? Carl Lawson. Yeah, I mean, got, I mean, not not great guys that you're terrified of outside of Atkins, who's getting a little older. Yeah, but hey, I solid job by the offensive line, and so that just makes my questions for Baker though. I, I just makes me all the more confounded as to why this game was such a struggle. I, I don't mean, really know what was going on. Is is there a chance that we don't have the pass catching talent? Because this this brings us into our next point. Reports this week that OBJ has been dealing with what is potentially a sports hernia mm-hmm. all season. Has not- hasn't really practiced up until Friday. For who knows whatever reason, um, Richard Higgins hasn't been playing. Didn't get a single snap this week until the last special team snap of the game to recover that onside kick. We're recording this on Wednesday. And I watched Freddie's press conference today, and Tony Garcia asked him about Rashard Higgins. And basically was like, why is he not playing? He only played that one snap on special teams. And he goes, we're playing the best, the best 11 guys. And that might not be consistent from week to week, but that's how we're making our decisions. I mean, that's, what I'll that's, say that's pretty, pretty damning <clears throat> coming right? from Kitchens because we're playing Kaderil Hodge and... Uh, Damian Ratley in those snaps. Right. The the only consistent pass catcher we have out there is Jarvis, who is constantly on the injury report and shows up every week, and we know is a is a limited athlete. For for all of the positives that he brings, he's not gonna break a game open, and he's can struggle to separate at times. And then Njoku came back into this game, and then gave up that interception fumble whatever he kind of had limited snaps like i think he only he was limited and he had a knee injury you know a quarter to like a third of the overall offensive snaps which is fine i mean he's easing back into the thing so i don't so if you have an ineffective obj because he can't separate because of his groin problem you don't have Najoku, you don't have a any wide receivers outside of jarvis and kareem hunt is your best other pass catching option that kind of limits what you can do on offense I do think that OBJ playing at like 85 or 90% all year really sucks. And and us not having anyone. I mean, I guess OBJ could fill this role if he was 100% healthy. But we don't have a single player that's a threat downfield. We just don't. Like, if you line up any of our receivers, like, who are you scared of taking the top off the defense? Like, the defense is never looking across the field and saying, oh, we got to be careful about that guy burning us. Like Kaderil Hodge. Like, I don't think it's he's got, he's got the speed, but nobody is really worried about him no. doing it. I mean, and Ratley, in theory, could be that guy, but I don't think we that hasn't been shown at all. I, he's got the time speed as well, but that's not translating on the field. I mean, a guy like a Brashard Perryman is like missed in this offense from like a balance standpoint of like the receivers that we have. Getting a guy like that that might not be the best in the world, but is definitely a threat down the field. He would be getting all those snaps as the third receiver. And if we rewind back to the offseason, we signed him to an offer sheet. Yep. 
We agreed to a contract, basically. We agreed to a contract with him. And then we traded for OBJ. We made some moves at wide receiver. And his, him and his representatives came to the realization that maybe Cleveland wasn't the best spot for him, given how crowded that wide receiver room is, and were released from that agreement. And he went and signed in Tampa Bay. The interesting part about that is, is I think the key factor in there is that he probably saw himself as a notch below Rashard Higgins. And Rashard Higgins has just hasn't seen the field, even been recognized by this coaching staff. But and what I don't understand is Higgins played so many snaps in that week one game before he got hurt. Yes, and in the preseason, like it, yeah. What what has happened since? Something's happened since for sure. We'll find out at some point. I'm sure it just makes no <laughs> sense. It makes no sense, especially in a situation where we just don't have pass-catching talent right now that's healthy and can go out there and actually provide a, a consistent option um, for Baker Mayfield. Speaking of OBJ, we, we had a lot of, a lot of OBJ talk. I'm, oh, my gosh. We, we knew we were getting this, and this is not a knock on OBJ. I feel like this stuff, some of the stuff is self-induced. Some of the stuff just follows him around. Reports about his his injury um, and surgery being an option potentially. It hasn't been decided yet. Um, and then Jay Glazer had a report right before kickoff that he was wanting out of Cleveland, and he had been telling people um, telling people pregame that that he he wanted out or he would go play with them. And then there was another another follow up written report by Charles Donald from Yahoo. Um... And he actually said what the quote was, that there was multiple occasions where in pregame that OBJ said to the other team, like, come get me. Which, like, when I first read it, it was like, when you read the article, it's almost out of context and it doesn't make sense. I was like, I thought he was, like, trying to start a fight. Like, come at me. Like, what, like... Come at me, bro. Like, that's, come get that's me, bro. the way I read it. I was like, come get... What? Like, what does that even mean? But anyways... I think these are the same thing being, you know, that's being heard by Charles um, Robinson and also by Jay Glazer being interpreted a little bit differently. And maybe I'm just viewing this with like my Browns rose colored glasses. But my take on it is, is OBJ is frustrated at how the season is going, frustrated at his personal production frustrated because he's hurt and can't like perform at the level he know he's capable of. And would he like to be in a situation that is better than what he's experiencing right now than the Browns? Yes. But is he like actively like saying, I want out of here? I don't get the impression that he's like pounding the table saying, get me out of here. I'm, I refuse to believe that. Based on the actions I've seen from him thus far, I think it is more that OBJ's position is of frustration at how things have panned out. I think he was a little blindsided by the fact that he was traded in the first place and hasn't fully settled yet. If we'd been winning, I think it would be a little different story. But it's been far from a smooth ride throughout this Brown season. And I think that's taking its toll for a variety of reasons. The Browns would be ludicrous to try to move him, I think, unless the compensation was insane. 
the value for a player like OBJ under his contract right now is phenomenal. And you let it ride out. It's been three quarters of one season. Like, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, I've got... I think this is this is really a non-issue for, for a number of reasons. First of all, I think that we forget oftentimes how this is like these guys' jobs. This is a business. This is also a lifestyle, right? There is something to be said about being the best wide receiver in the league, being wanted, and having people like want like coming after you, right? Yeah. Like, who among us would not, like, go take a new job if we were either being paid more or felt like we were more appreciated there or, or whatnot? Or we're just going to get more, like, recognition or it was, like, a bigger, a bigger stage and a bigger spotlight. Like, from, from that perspective, of course you always want people coming at you, coming for you, coming to get you, coming to give you give you more we i heard this week andrew hawkins talked about it mm-hmm. on twitter he was like oh we used to do this all the time you you got to keep a market yeah. you got to keep like cultivating a market because like it's a business man and at the end of the day you need people you need people on your side in your corner wanting to come after you yeah and is and is telling someone to come get me like come after me the same as saying i want out of here no not at all right that's and, my point. and to that point, this, all these reports came four days after Odell Beckham talked to the press. And they, he, direct quote, said, there's no place I'd rather be than Cleveland. I've got one of the men I like, care most about in the world in the locker next to me. Like, I'm in the best place in my life. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I don't know what the future holds, is right. what he said. Yeah. And then, of course, everybody runs with the the, the cryon tagline, OBJ, uns- unsure of Cleveland future. Right. But you combine all those things, I feel like everybody does this. And, or if you don't, you probably should. If you've got a guy like Andrew Hawkins out there telling people to come get me, <laughs> like this is pretty pervasive in the league, and this is just like part of, part of the imagine, business structure. Can you imagine the headline? Uh, Browns wide receiver, Kaderil Hodge. Uh, un- un- uncertain of Brown's future. It's like, yeah, you might get cut. Yeah. <laughs> you could get cut if we Tell find another... opposing coaches and special teams coaches, come get me. Yeah. <laughs> come get me. I'm the best gunner in the league. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about OBJ at, at all. I've, and actually, we talked about this on the pod. We mentioned it on the pod either last week or two weeks ago that we thought he might be injured. Like, he might be dealing with something. Because it just hasn't been the his level explosive, of production or his explosiveness. explosiveness. Like it's just kind of like the eye test from what you've seen from OBJ throughout his career versus what you're seeing on the field right now. It's just not there all the way. Yeah, not nearly as explosive. Still has the passion. Still has the want to. Still has the drive. You see it on some of the long runs, some of the screen passes to Jarvis where it, it makes downfield. The He's one blocking. wide receiver downfield yep. blocking is OBJ. He's still trying. Now, speaking of injuries, we get to this. If this has been something that's been lingering, yeah. it definitely would have, in hindsight, behooved the Browns to get it dealt with 
in the preseason, or training camp, as has been alleged. Let him miss time, come back healthy, fully, fully reared, ready to go. Baker Mayfield spoke to that in his post-game press conference. Um, rather passionately and authoritatively, I might say, um, coming out and saying that the training want, staff. By the way, I want Baker to get a haircut. His like shaggy hair looks like a mess. It's not the it's not the best. Like after, I don't know if that's a post game shower or if that's just like the sweat and just like post game nasty hair. It's he, not not a great look. He he his look right now is consistent with the Browns season. It's just disheveled. Just, Out of sorts. Yeah, just a mess. I'm not really sure what's going Looking on. Looking for some direction. Yeah. It is just a microcosm of the you Brown use, season. You could use the gentle touch of an experienced barber. <laughs> uh, yep. Just like the Browns. They could, use, they could use some experience at the helm. So, Michael, let's make this the, the topic that Michael doesn't want to talk about for the week. What's Baker that? Mayfield's comments on... The Cleveland Branch training staff. Get ready, go. Uh, my take on this is Baker Mayfield's always going to say things like this that are what he thinks, how he feels, and it's not going to be polished. It's not going to be the politically correct thing to say. It is not going to be the statement that the PR guy would write up for him to say. But he feels like it was mishandled. He said it was mishandled. I think he's going to mature and understand that these sort of things just aren't worth saying because everyone's going to blow up and it's just going to paint a negative light on him. I don't really care if that's what he thinks. You know, all of us, all of us think these sort of things all the freaking time. Like, why does it matter that he said it into a microphone? Like, it seems like it was mishandled. Is anyone arguing that, like, this was handled correctly? If he's still dealing with this injury that was made known in the preseason? I think he's right. Are we like crucifying Baker Mayfield because he made a statement that's accurate? Yeah, when we say things in the heat of the moment, they lack nuance. And and sometimes some of these things need need just a little bit of nuance in that this is a position that he is able to come to with hindsight, right? And like, yes, I, everybody would agree at this point. Yeah. that it would have been better for the Brown season to, to get this taken care of in training camp and miss what it would be six to eight weeks. Come back week three against the Rams, crush it. Let's roll. That's not what happened. I also am not really that concerned. Like, what is the training staff not going to treat Baker Mayfield like appropriately because they're ticked that he made these comments? Like, I think it's just a little bit different because it is the training staff and not, not a teammate, not whatever. Um, I think he's going to learn from it. I really just couldn't give a crap. Yep. Um, he's my quarterback. I'm going to defend him. This thing's like just water off a duck's back to me. Don't matter. I also love how open everybody is about it, how Freddie gets asked about it, and he goes, yeah, no, he shouldn't have said that, and I, I gave him a talking to about it. <laughs> It's like, it's just fair. Like, everything's fair game. Like, if you say something dumb in a press conference, I'm going to go tell everybody you said something dumb in a press conference and we're going to talk about it. I do love that about Freddie. That is true. All right. We didn't put this on our show notes necessarily. 
There's been a lot of talk this week after uh, Tom Pelissaro, I think, from NFL Network, did this little in insight with Mike McCarthy. Oh, man. All, it, Mike all McCarthy, it takes is one little like five-minute clip of you watching tape in your basement. Yeah. And he's like hired these like NFL veteran coaches. I think so Jim Fossil was there. Jim Hazlitt. Jim Hazlitt. Yeah, I get those confused all the time. Yeah. Jim Hazlitt and a few other like experienced NFL assistant coaches and former head coaches. I, I don't know. Did Hazlitt they all move to the same spot? They live in his basement. <laughs> I have no. I have no idea what they do. Like I, they they talk like they're working like Monday to Friday. Like are they? What is he paying them? Is anybody getting paid, or is this all just like a long game thing? I'm super interested to know. And you know, it got like this emotional like touch. It kind of had like one of those ESPN like stories. Did you like watch it to the yeah, end? Yeah, no, I watched it. And he and he's he like emotional. We have saying, to do this. He kept saying over and my over. My family again, needs football. My family right needs now. this right now. But he didn't like connect the dots, like what that meant. Like, did that mean that it was awful for him to be at home and he really needs to be away? Like, that was the impression that I got. My kids really need me and these 14 like, strange this, men out of the basement. This <laughs> has been miserable with me being at home, and they really need football right now because, like, it's much better for their identity to be in their dad being a football coach than their dad being at home. God forbid. Like, that was the impression I got. Like, am I, like, misreading this situation? <laughs> He didn't no. give me any reason to believe otherwise. No, that, that whole thing is so weird. Just like thinking about like a rogue NFL coaching staff, like the 33rd staff in the league, just getting there, grinding, getting prepped every week. And it's like, my opinion of Mike McCarthy is not going to change based on a Tom Pelissero like interview spot. You know what? If Mike McCarthy wants to be an NFL coach in the league next year, you better be still watching tape. You better be prepping. You better be doing whatever, whatever you need to do. Also, I, I respect the fact that he's been open about like talking to people about how the league is changing. Like the, the big knock on Mike McCarthy is that his, his offense was antiquated the, the last couple of years and hadn't, hadn't adapted to the time. So, so good on him. I think Mike McCarthy could be a good NFL coach in the league. I don't want him to coach the Browns. I don't want him and Jim Hazlitt and like that whole crew coming in. Is that what he's proposing? No, that's absolutely what he's proposing. He says he's got his staff ready all together. They've been working together for a year, ready to go. All right, I need to do some deeper research on this. I want to know where they exactly live they if yeah. they move their this families is... to a random guy's basement. Man, they're missing an opportunity. They could have like sold media rights to like this whole thing. They could have had a behind the scenes like feature. This could be a whole yeah. deal. You're telling me Netflix or Amazon and... Prime wouldn't have made this a oh, series? Heck yeah, they would have. It would have been like a Even... hell of a series. And then you, we'd you actually up... find out the reason why his family <laughs> needs football right now. Like, come on, let's dive into this. There's well, something going on there, and we're gonna we want to find it out. What? Why stop it at just the coaching staff? Just get Scott McLuhan on the phone. You've got a front office guy. Yes. Let's let's get a let's get a expansion franchise going. <laughs> we can just, we can just get the, the whole Where's the billionaire owner? Perfect. Let's find him. I would watch that show. Can you imagine them like just putting like an owner in, like a ludicrous, like old rich guy? Because you need, like, the buffer to have to make decisions so that you can't, don't just have the autonomy to do it on your own. <laughs> just like an old rich guy they met at the country club yeah. just to, like, serve in the owner's role. <laughs> like, all right, we want to draft this guy. Go, go, get, go get Jim's approval. 
no, you know he's... This is such a good idea. You know he's old this and kind of racist and says bad Why would things? we not go and make this happen when the next experienced head coach leaves football and is inevitably going to do this himself? We could pull let's do the resources with, and go this, sell it. Let's do this with Jeff Fisher. Absolutely. We'll start it. Oh, my gosh. That would be wonderful. All right. Who of the coaches out of the thing is, I don't think Jeff Fisher wants to coach anymore. I think he's tasted the goodness oh, outside but there's of football. Been, what is he doing outside of football right now? Oh, he's spending time on his land. He is hunting a lot. Yeah. I, I know some people who hunt with him. Um, been doing a lot of hunting. Who who would be the, the all-star cast of this unemployed coaches? Well, I feel like Hugh it's... Hugh Jackson? Hugh Jackson's good uh, uh, on TV. Hugh Jackson, the poor guy. Have you seen all these cameos that he's doing? Oh, he just gets railed. Does he not understand that he, this he is, is just like... He is shameless. Uh, shameless, and that's what makes him perfect for it. Does he not understand that these cameo videos like aren't just going to the individual you're recording it for? They're like getting spread across all of social media for oh, everyone to see? Oh, I don't think he does, and that's what's amazing. $50, you can get Hugh Jackson to say anything you want. It's hilarious. Like, And why is he doing that for 50 freaking dollars? Like, the man made millions of dollars coaching just a year ago. It is kind of, it is, it is low. It's it really is low. low. It's, it's really sad. bad. And he's like, oh my did gosh. You hear, did you hear that he... Like, I actually feel, I, I think Hugh Jackson is the worst coach the Browns have had since 99. But, like, I feel bad every time I watch him. It like, feels record, dirty. It recording feels, these yeah, cameo really, videos. Really like, I, I do not, I... I want to laugh, but like I can't bring myself quite to laugh. Yeah, it's it's, oh. it's low and it's shameless. Did you hear that he might be the new offensive coordinator at Arizona State under Herm Edwards? Yeah, and Marvin Lewis is already on that staff. Yep, it's just which is uh, amazing. Just getting the gang back together. Yeah, that that makes sense. Like I feel like he could actually be pretty useful there. In How that are role. they gonna go? Re- like they've got to just have like a bunch of young guys going to recruit. Like, Herm Edwards and Marvin Lewis aren't, like, hitting the trail hard, right? I don't know. I guess you only have to do so much, you know? And it's like, it does say something if Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson show up and they coached NFL teams for however many years. Like, although a 16, how much is a 16-year-old gonna, kid going to care about those guys? Marvin Lewis. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, no, we got we got to look into getting Hugh Jackson to to um, to do a record a promo for our podcast. Oh jeez, fifty bucks it wouldn't take that'd much. be the best fifty bucks we've ever spent. I'll get you that for Christmas. Do it, please do. <laughs> we should not get Mark a present and just pay for Hugh Jackson cameos for other people. It's a great idea. Um, so, all right. Is there anything else we missed, or should we go to the, the picks for the week? We can go to the picks for the week. Just kind of wanted to recap AFC North real quick. The Ravens have now officially made the playoffs. Um, Pittsburgh is in the sixth seed of the AFC wildcard. Um, kind of tied in that spot there with the Tennessee Frickin Titans. Steelers. Um, they're looking all right if they can keep stringing some wins together, unfortunately. They just um, keep pulling games out in unconventional ways. 
They had a punt return for a touchdown yeah, in the last game. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's it is impressive. It's unbelievable. To do it consistently, like I mean, like I got to give them credit. Like it makes me frustrated as I'll get out that the Steelers are doing this. But good gracious, they I, they make it look easy with with not a, a great roster when the Browns are making it look really really difficult with with much more talent, which yep. which adds to the frustration there. Um, the Browns are not eliminated from the playoffs just yet. Um, we still have a, a, a relatively statistically healthy path if, if we win hey, out. just keep we, winning. We got to keep winning. Got to finish 9-7. and seven. Need a few things to fall, fall in our place, but it's not, um, not fully written yet. So we can go to the picks now. All right. This is trending in the wrong direction. Matthew's taking a commanding lead. Matthew and I had direct opposite picks last week. I was feeling pretty good about this. Matthew swept it. The Browns game, when we picked it, was an eight and a half point line. And Matthew, being the loser that he is, picked the Bengals. And they ended up covering since it was only an eight point swing. uh, Man, Zach Taylor and that, that field goal at the end to then kick the onside kick. That was the right Smart move. move. That no, was the, it was the right move. That was the right move. Not every coach would do it, but it's the right move. Um, so anyways, that brings us to this week. And Thursday night, with all the picks this week include the AFC North, which is interesting. I feel like we have a little like added insight and knowledge heading into these picks. So Thursday night, um, Jets are heading to Baltimore to play everyone's uh, darling, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Mark already sent us his pick. Just via text, since he can't be here. He picked the Jets. It's a 16-point spread. 16-point spread. So I can see why he takes the Jets there. It's a lot of points to cover for the Ravens. They're not... They have not been blowing teams out in the last couple weeks. The the points have been a little uh, fewer in the last couple weeks. So, anyways, what's, what's your pick? You going with the Ravens? The, the, Jets are a, the Jets are a hard team to figure out because they'll beat a team. They'll beat a relatively good team. They blew out Oakland, which who arguably is not a relatively good team, but their record suggests that they are. Um, they'll blow out Oakland, and then they'll lose to Miami. And so it's hard to, hard to pin the Jets down. They could be anywhere from beating Baltimore to getting beat by 40. Um, and I'd see all of those situations as almost equally likely. Um, I got to go Baltimore here. I think that they're just on a roll. I think they're going to just keep the ball on the ground. Baltimore's defense is playing well. New York Jets can't do anything on offense. Man. I was with Mark. I already made my pick, so I'm sticking with him. I'm picking the Jets. The 16 points is just too much for me. Um. Now, granted, the good the good New York Jets have to show up to cover sixteen points, but um, I like the chances of that versus the Ravens just blowing them out of the water. There's enough talent on that Jets team if they wake up and play. I just hate picking the Thursday night games because yeah. there's just so many. Very, it's so hard to know what's. Lamar happen. Jackson has a quad injury. Um, you said you said the Ravens haven't been blowing people out recently. That is true in the last two games. It's been twenty four seventeen and twenty to seventeen against the Bills and the Forty ers but the three games before that, oh, we're 49 insane. to 13, we're insane. 41 to 7, 45 to 6 yeah, against no. the Bengals, Texans, and Rams, respectively. Yeah. 
And this is probably more that tier of teams, to be fair, than yes. the Bills. And yeah. Yes, especially on defense. Yep. All right, so that brings us to the Sunday night game, which is Buffalo heading to Pittsburgh. Two teams that are currently slated to make the playoffs in the AFC. Um, Pittsburgh is favored by two points at home. Um, Mark and I have both picked this game already. I'm going to let you pick this one first. I'm going to go Buffalo. I got to go Buffalo. I, I'm not a believer in this Pittsburgh Steelers team. I'm not a huge believer in Buffalo, but they do have a good defense, especially a good pass defense. I think that that is a formula for beating this Pittsburgh Steelers team who is not going to run the ball effectively. Yep, yeah, Mark and I already picked it. We went Buffalo too, so it's a clean sweep across the board. Especially um, with the points. I mean, like, Buffalo is just so... Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to win this game. Um, it's at Pittsburgh, but Buffalo's just too solid of a team, and Pittsburgh's got too many holes at the moment. And we're getting to the point where Buffalo's really well coached. Um, Devlin Hodges is putting more and more games on tape where teams can figure out what, what he struggles with, what he does well. The yeah. Browns were in one of the unfortunate slots of playing him early in his career where there wasn't much to study on him. Um, I think each game that he starts, it gets harder and harder and harder because teams One know thing what about doing. this, though, too, that gives me a little bit of pause is I can just so, with that Steelers defense, which is quite good, I can see them forcing multiple turnovers from Josh Allen. Yeah, and very he's well could. Quick, and he's quick to fumble the ball. Like, it, that happens. Like, that is the path to the Steelers pulling the sucker out, just like they have in so many of these other games. And so that's going to be the key variable, I think. Um, but I really like the Bills' defense versus that Pittsburgh offense. I just don't see them scoring too many points. So, all right. And so it brings us to the Browns game. We've got three more left. Two of them are pretty winnable, um, this being one of them. We're headed to Arizona to play the Cardinals, and the Browns are favored by two and a half points in this game. I think the Cardinals have lost six straight. Obviously, starting Kyler Murray, rookie at quarterback. Their skill position talent is Larry Fitzgerald, who is obviously aging, and not much else. David Johnson has not lived up to the top 10 fantasy running back billing that he has, has been expected of him. Kyler Murray is leading them in rushing yards at 448. It's kind of weird. They traded for um, Kenyon Drake, and he's been getting a bulk, uh, like majority of the carries recently over David Johnson. Um, and so it's going to be an interesting one. Their offense is pretty decent. Their defense has some players. I mean, Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson, Jordan Hicks is playing really well. They've got Buda Baker on the back end. Um, I mean, this is not a team we can overlook and just show up and beat just because we're more talented. We're playing on the road. I do find it interesting that we're favored by two and a half points in this game. I honestly thought it would be a little bit closer than that, maybe even a pick em. Um, But if the good Browns show up, I think there's a decent chance we win this game. I'm certainly not going to pick against the Browns in this instance. So we're given two and a half points. I think we can cover that. I'm going Browns. Yeah, this is tight. I mean, the Cardinals have lost six straight, but those games have been um, at the Saints versus the 49ers, at Tampa Bay, at 49ers versus the Rams and versus the Steelers. So arguably there's two games in there that, that maybe could be winnable is at Tampa Bay, which I lost by three, and then versus the Steelers, which I lost by six. 
So in in the games where they're equally matched, not against some of these like best teams in the league, they're they're hanging in there. I think this game's going to be close. I'm actually really worried about losing this game, um, just because I think that their their offense could give us trouble, and if we get in a shootout with the state of our current position players, um, their health, their our depth that doesn't bode well for us. Um, but I think if if you're a team who still thinks you have a chance to make the playoffs, this is a game that you have to win. Um, two and a half is not enough for me to pick Arizona plus a point, so I'm going to take Cleveland. All right, that makes it a clean sweep. Mark, pick Cleveland as well. Um, as always, we'll be cheering for the Browns, regardless of what teams we pick. But uh, we're all picking for the Browns anyways. But sometimes it helped you, like last week, to pick against the points. So. Well, that'll be it for us this week. Um, we'll be back next week with a pod after after this Arizona game. Um, likely, we'll drop on Tuesday morning. Um, if you like the pod, um, shoot us an email at sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Um, you can go on iTunes and give us a rating. Leave a, leave a comment on there. Um, your five-star ratings help other people find the pod, um, get us more listeners, which we always appreciate. Um, if you've got any other suggestions, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Sin of Our Fathers. Uh, I think I nailed that. You did. That what was your what best. else? You've got what any, else do we have? Matt, this is like Matthew's third or fourth rep doing the outro, and he finally got it without too many hiccups. Boom. First take. Congratulations. Right. We'll do it live. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.